And Matthew 11, chapter 28, verse says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah. The second verse I have is from John 16, chapter 33rd verse. And it reads, I have told you these things so that in me you may find peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Yes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask God that you just take over in this place. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, these past few, this past week, we've, we've gone through a lot. Yes. We've seen a lot. I mean, things that I've never thought I would experience, we experienced. Yes. And, and it's not that we live in Louisiana and we know that it floods and we know we have that capability of that happening. But there were places here in Louisiana that flooded that have never flooded before. That it never happened. And that, that's important to, to even think about because I believe that God is at work. I believe that even in disasters like this, God has a plan. Amen? Then in the tough times in our life, when things look like it, it, it could never get anything good from it, the Bible tells us that God has a plan even in that. So I want you to know that there's one who loves you. That despite no, no, what you saw and despite what you've gone through, because I'm pretty sure there are people in this room that lost things during the flood. As a matter of fact, there's people in this room that lost everything in the flood. And, and I can't even begin to, to tell you how sorry I am for you, for, for, for that situation. I'm, I don't even know how to comfort you in that. I really don't. And all I know is that God can comfort you. That God can comfort you. That God can give you the relief that you need. Amen? Amen? But I want you to know that God loves you. That God cherishes you. That you, that you can't even phantom the love that God has for you. To him, you are priceless. No matter the things that you lost, because things can be replaced. Amen? But you can't. You are a treasure to him. No, despite what you saw and despite the way you felt in the midst of your storm, you are a treasure to him. That you're worth fighting for. You're worth pursuing. And God is pursuing each and every one of us that's in here. Amen? Amen. He's pursuing us. When we were in our, our, our alcoholism, we were in our drug addiction, God made a way. That, that there were opportunities that God was giving you to show you that he was pursuing you. Amen? Amen. He gave his son for you. His son in order to save each and every one of us from our own foolishness. Amen? Our selfishness, our sinful natures. He is our heavenly father. Your Lord Jehovah, king of kings. His name is God. He chose to love you. He pursues you daily. Waiting patiently for you. To accept you in everything about you. He loves you. No matter what you're into today, all your sins, God has, Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross for your alcoholism, for your drug, for your sexual addictions, for everything that you're going through, he has already died on the cross for it. Amen? And he's pursuing you today. 
waiting patiently, you, patiently for you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And the thing that we have to understand, that if, if God is pursuing us, then we must want to be caught in order to be saved. Amen? His love is like no other. It's healing and not hurtful. That he means each and every one of us good. It is a selfless and giving love that he has for each and every one of us in here. We know this. We've read the Bible. We know what God says about us. But I can't help but to feel that if God loves me so much at this point in my life, why don't I feel like he loves me? When I go home and I find that everything that I owned is destroyed, it's kind of hard sometimes to feel the love of Christ. Am I wrong? Is that just me? It's, we have this God that sits on high and he looks down, but sometimes I have to wonder, does he even care? Does he even care that my car is floating down the street? Does he care? And I, I, I submit to you tonight that he does. And that you must remember that you are not alone. And in the unfairness and suffering of life, I am convinced that God wants the best for me. That he cares for me no matter what. But if you don't believe that, and if you have doubts today because of everything that has happened in the last week, well, let me explain some, some things to you tonight. Consider the suffering of Christ. Consider the one called by the prophet Isaiah a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Because sometimes it's hard for us to believe that a God that sits so high can feel the grief that we feel. But the Bible tells us that he has. That he understands everything that we've gone through. Every fear that we've gone through. And how many of you had some fears in the last week? Amen? Amen. But think about it. Think about his back that was slashed. His bloodied forehead. The nails ripped in his hands and feet. His side being pierced. His agony in the garden when he cried out to God to take this from me. And if Jesus Christ himself, man made from God, cried out to God to take agony away from him, and God didn't, then what are we? Do we think that we're not going to go through in life? Because we will. Amen? We will. Because we're human. And in human, we have our own things. We, we have what we call it free will. And in our free will, we do things that are against God. We sin. Amen? God does not affect our free will. He does not. Okay, that wasn't me. Amen. Just checking. His agony in the garden, his, his cry when he thought God had abandoned him. We think God has abandoned us. Jesus Christ in the garden prayed. He cried out on the cross for him, God not to abandon him. How many thought that God had abandoned them in the last week? Consider Christ calm 
that he was suffering not for his own sins, but for us, for each and every one of us in this room tonight. Amen? The cross of Christ is the supreme demonstration of the suffering that God feels for us. That nowhere do we see the love of God than more in the, cro in the cross. Amen? A, a popular monk in the Middle Ages announced that in the cathedral that he would preach a sermon on the love of God. The people gathered and stood in silence waiting for the service while the sunlight streamed through the beautiful windows. When the last bit of color had faded from the windows, the old monk went to the altar, took a lighted candle, and walking to the life-size statue of the cross, held the light beneath the wounds on Jesus' feet, then in his hands. Then he held the light to his side. And then still, without a word, he let the light shine on the thorns on his forehead. That was his sermon. The people stood in silence and wept, everyone knowing that they were at the center of a mystery beyond knowing, that they were indeed looking at the love of God, a love so deep and a love so wide that no words could express it, that no pain could even cry out harder and stronger than the love of Christ. Because God loves each and every one of us, despite the things that you're going through, despite everything that you've gone through in your life and in your childhood, God loves you. He loves you through all the stuff that you've done. And he loves you through disasters. He loves you through loss. He loves you through death. He loves you. And sometimes when you feel like God has abandoned you, that's the closest you can get closer to him because he's right there. He's right there pursuing you. Amen? He's pursuing you. God has made it so possible that for all of us to resist temptation, to resist sin, that he's made a way for us to, to escape from each and every one of us. That he didn't allow us to stay in Old Testament time where all he had to do was smite us. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> but he loves us. That he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for each and every one of our sins. So the question that I want to ask you tonight and the question that I'm pretty sure some of you have had in the last week is, if I have to go through stuff like this, why should I even try to stay sober? Why? Why? Why even try to stay sober in situations like this? I just lost everything. If anybody has the right to get drunk, it's me. If anyone has the right to get high, it's me. I would love to go out and sleep with a bunch of people. That would make me feel good. That would feel great to go out and get high and forget about all the things that I am going through today. Amen? Why? Why try when a pill would take away all that anguish? That sex could take away all that pain, even for a short time. This is what the enemy wants you to dwell on and to think about. 
The enemy wants you to blame God and to be frustrated with him. But I want you to know tonight that God can use disasters to grow us. That he can use disasters to teach us about his love. That he can use situations like this to bring us closer together. Look, almost a month ago, we were at each other's throats. We were hating each other. People at the same church were rolling their eyes at each other. Defriending each other on Facebook. Help us, Jesus. But we were at each other's throats. The stench of racism was so bad here. It was so bad, so much. And that in itself is a disaster because the enemy was able to pull us apart. He's trying to pull the body apart. But God said none of this. There's nothing that brings you together more than a natural disaster. And the stench of racism has been erased. Let me tell you right now, I see people in boats pulling out black people on their boat. I see black people pulling out white people on their boat. I see all kinds of people. And it's awesome. This is the way it's supposed to be. The enemy thought that he could tear us apart. But God used this, he used a disaster to bring relief. He used a disaster to bring relief. And we needed it. We needed it. Each and every one of us needed something to change our mind. We needed something to deter us from what we was feeling. And I have just believed in my heart that we have turned a corner here. That the rebuilding that we have to do has turned a corner in our hearts. Amen? Amen. I believe it tonight. I believe that God can use natural disasters like this one. He can use disasters in your life. He can use the fact that you lost a job. He can use the fact that you have lost friendships and things like that to bring you closer to him. To change your lives. I believe that tonight. But the enemy wants to use it to hurt you. He wants you to, he wants to prove for once and for all that that Christian thing, that that God thing does not, is not real. That why would a God sit up high and watch so many people lose everything and do nothing? But I want to submit to the enemy tonight that God has done something amazing tonight. That as we stand right here preaching to a room of black men and white women and white men, that God is amazing. That he is amazing. You have to tell yourself that no matter what life throws your way, you're going to get through it. You have to tell yourself that. You cannot give a place for the enemy to tell you lies. Because if you give him that place, he will. He will tell you all kinds of things that make you think that he does not love you. That he does not care about you. Amen? Amen. You have to tell yourself how much God loves you. That there is no excuse excuse to go back to the life that you came from. 
There's no excuse. There's no natural disaster that can make you go back to the life of drugs and alcohol that you came from. That you have made the change once and for all that no matter what, I'm not going back. That no matter what, I'm going to stand on the promises of God and on the healing of God that he has taken in our lives. How easy was it to sit in a room surrounded by water to want to use? There's no excuse to go back. And if you do, it's not because of the natural disaster. It's not because of flooding. It's not because of anything other than the fact that you wanted to go back. It's no excuse. God has made it so that all of us can resist it and escape. He has given us an out in our addictions and our hurts and our hang-ups. 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 13, verse is just one example that shows us God's love. In one version of the scripture, it states that God has given us a way of escape. In other words, God isn't just doing away with our temptations. Because there's something to learn through it. He instead is offering us a way to separate ourselves from it. The scripture also indicates that we have the capacity to say no. That no matter what you're going through, you can say no. No matter what people say to you, you can say no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going backwards. I'm going to stand on what God has done in my life. Do you see where I came from? You have the ability to say no, and you can. You can. The scripture indicates that we can say no to our drug of choice. And if we trust God, it gets, he will guide us in that situation. He will show us the way. I believe that every day is a victory when you don't take that drug. Every day is a victory when you don't drink that drink. Every day, no matter what you have gone through, in your disaster, God brings relief. In the disasters in your marriage, God brings relief. In the disasters on your job, God brings relief. Amen? I believe that tonight. And I'm getting ready to go into a time of prayer, and I'm going to ask that our prayer leaders come up. And I just want everyone in this place to get in a prayer closet. Get in a thankful prayer closet. If you have nothing that you need to go to God for, then you can at least thank him for giving you the opportunity to be here tonight. 